Hello, and welcome to my show, which I have pretentiously dubbed From Whence They Came. My name is Beckett Deal. This is a show about evolution, about exploring how and why certain shifts in the lives and walk of artists happen. In lieu of a more interesting subject, I have decided to use this first episode to analyze my own evolution as a musical artist. The consolation prize is that in doing this, I'm going to try to identify certain concepts and ideas in my own past that I believe apply to all artists to some extent. In subsequent episodes, I'd like to see how well they hold up. To begin, I'd like to talk about how my relationship with music first manifested. I think that's a topic I'm going to be revisiting for future guests because it truly is different for everybody. For some, music is a cultural obligation or a social tool that eventually develops into something more personal. For others, it's a recourse to identity or an escape from their feelings or their parents or Dick Cheney or the small team of necromancers that are tasked with providing him the souls of the youth necessary for his continued survival, whatever. For myself, I simply heard something at some point that flipped a switch. I remember being 11 years old, uh, listening to Led Zeppelin at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and at that point, Led Zeppelin was, without a doubt, my favorite band. They just, they had such a rawness and a passion that I, I really gravitated towards it. Uh, but I'm 11 years old, I'm in my bed, and I'm listening on an iPod, which is weird, uh, considering that this is well after the iPod phone has been established. Uh, so I don't know why we owned an iPod. I don't know why I was able to use an iPod. We should be storing it in a vault uh, so that when the apocalypse inevitably comes, we can uh, trade it for fresh water and uh, bandages. Um, but that's not the point. Uh, I'm in my bed, 11 years old, listening to Led Zeppelin on my iPod, and I scroll down to a song I haven't heard before, which was Moby Dick. And if you know the song Moby Dick, you'd know that it is a multiple minute long drum solo performed by the band's drummer, John Bonham. Uh, and so I put on the song and I can't remember the exact point at which I decided it was the coolest thing I had ever heard. But regardless, at some point I leapt from my bed and started pacing around my room uh, with my brother sleeping uh, roughly five feet away, by the way. Uh, I, I'm just invigorated and excited because I didn't realize before this point that the drums could sound as good as John Bonham had made them sound. Well, so what? Led Zeppelin, and particularly, I think that song, has inspired a lot of people. What I want to take note of is what about the music captivated and continues to captivate me. That being its quality of passion, of teetering on some kind of edge, of evoking the sense that the music would like to spring forward more triumphantly or powerfully, and yet is barely being kept at bay. It's the, it's the spontaneity. These are the things that attract me to the music of Led Zeppelin, and also the things that, at least in some small way, attract me to all the music I've ever enjoyed. This is one of those principles that I think apply to all artists as they do to me, that the aspects of music one enjoys, and the aspects of art more broadly one enjoys, never fundamentally change, even as one's musical sensibilities do. I think tastes and genre preferences and opinions shift around that fundamental, foundational thing. 
That's the interesting thing about the musical dimension of this awakening, if you will, but what about the drumistic dimension? What was it about the drums themselves that was so compelling to me? Why did I choose them, of all things, to serve as the vehicle for my musical expression? I think it's a number of things. I think in some ways there's a modicum of random chance at play and that ultimately it, it could have been any instrument that serves as that, as that catalyst. Uh, if I were to attempt to dig a little deeper, I find that one of the reasons is that the drums gave me a recourse to power and to value that I otherwise would not have had access to. It wasn't that the drums were the center of attention. I, I never felt a real need to be given attention, uh, I say on my podcast about myself. Uh, <laughs> it, it was that the drums are such an important uh, glue in music, as well as being very commanding and authoritative. They granted me a sense of belonging in the sense that I was needed or valued. And these are things that I hadn't encountered before at that point in my life. Suddenly I'm essential and a leader. I get to decide the shape of the music I'm playing. After a lifetime of feeling very Starscream-esque, I'm suddenly Optimus Prime or G.I. Joe or, I don't know, Panthro from the Thundercats, uh, which I, I haven't seen, but I can only assume he had some sort of uh, leadership role as I, I vaguely remember him being very powerful. Uh, it was either him or the guy with the sword. Never mind. And then there's why I felt the need to participate in music in the first place. After gaining this new appreciation for music, why not continue just being a listener? Uh, just being in air quotes. Uh, well, music gave me, and I think gives a lot of people, something that's very difficult to come by, which is an identity. At that point, I didn't consider anything to be definitional of who I was and who I am. Uh, playing the drums and playing music was something I could hitch my wagon to, in a sense, and say, okay, well, this is who I am, this is what I do. It didn't matter if I wasn't good at it yet, it was just the thing I loved doing. And in the process of being my identity and the thing I love doing, the drums have fundamentally altered the shape of my life. Most of my friends I know as a result of my relationship with music. Most of, well, actually all of my romantic relationships have in some way been related to my relationship with music, which is its kind of a mixed bag. A few of those I'd like to be able to take back. You know who you are. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't say whether my life as a whole would be better or worse if I had never formed an identity around the drum, uh, but I can say with certainty that it would, it would be different. talked about this concept of the social and cultural appeal of becoming a musician with my current drum teacher and blood brother Joe Bogomini. Uh, Joe also happens to be a prolific and highly sought after drummer as evidenced by his enormous resume of Broadway shows and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, here he is. You know and some kids not not my buddy you know some some kids who are like a lot cooler than me asked me to you know hey man we need a drummer we're playing like this party and I played you know, I can remember playing Sabbath and Judas Priest tunes in this kid's basement with like all these cool kids that like never even looked at me. Like I was afraid of all of them. And like I played this gig with them and it was like, wow man, you're, you're really good at the drums. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, not only do I love, you know, and like girls who never looked at me were like, you, I love that drum solo. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm doing. You know, um, but in, you know, I'm joking, sort of like, sort of not really, like, like the music was part of the culture. 
Like the like all the kids liked these bands. It wasn't. It was like the big band era. Like the in a way, like the big band era. Like uh, I, I've heard Jojo Mayer say something like this. I've always been fascinated by it because everyone liked the music. You had the guys and girls dancing to it, but then you had the musicians who kept track of who was on each band. You know, so so the the technical and the nerdy musician people. And the dancers, and the listeners, and the people who were just the hangers-on who wanted to be part of the scene—it was all happening at one in one place. And I, I think similar to that when I was a kid, like a Van Halen concert was like that. Anyway, that's one shift—the shift between not having a relationship with music and having one. For the subsequent nine months, I had begged my parents every day for a drum set, which they eventually acquiesced to on the promise of a uh, clean room, uh, which I still owe them to this day. Uh, but I got a drum set, uh, which is a misnomer. It wasn't a drum set. It was a small little, uh, it was both small and little, electronic drum pad, essentially, with two little uh, pedals that just you kind of hook up with a wire. Uh, and so I kind of put it on a table in front of a couch and that was where you could find me most of the time. As much as I enjoyed drumming, it didn't take very long for me to realize that I sucked at drumming. Uh, so I was encouraged by my parents to start taking lessons, and I was initially very against that concept for two reasons. Uh, one, I was embarrassed that I wasn't good at the drums. Uh, and two, I didn't want the drums to become walk to me. I wanted them to stay fun. Uh, I didn't want to feel as though it was something I had to do. I, I wanted them to stay just this bliss I was chasing. But I was wrong and dumb and 12. So I started taking lessons at my local guitar center and I had a couple of, I had a couple of teachers there. I had a good experience with them. Uh, but I eventually began taking lessons at the original music school in Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, where I met my first real teacher, my first close, taken-under-the-wing kind of teacher, uh, Sean Fairley. Uh, and there, within the first few weeks of taking lessons with Sean, uh, he introduced me to Mark Juliana. You don't show everybody Mark Juliana and people like that in the first week. No, no. I did that with you because you, uh, you, you could already get around on the drum set like pretty fast like you had the the raw like talent to do that sort of thing not everybody could start like that you know so i gave you stuff that i like because i i thought you would like it too because you were into like the more drummy drum stuff you know so i gave it to you and i'm glad you uh took it to heart and started to dive into it deeper you know and you know get really into the jazz sort of thing it was cool it to see you start with your big fro that you had. And you should bring that back, by the way. You, and <laughs> uh, But just to see, like, you know, you, you come in and do all this stuff and, you know, you flew through everything I was giving you very quickly, you know, and um, like you understood it. Mark Juliana, to me, represented this new frontier of drumming that I didn't even know existed. 
I had kind of figured that the drums began and ended with the people I was already familiar with, and I didn't think either that what they were playing was derived from a greater history, or that the drums continued to mutate and develop over time, and that there was a bleeding edge to be made aware of. I did not know, before listening to Mark Juliana, and more broadly, modern jazz drumming in general, that it was possible to be that good at the drums. Not to discredit or take anything away from the playing of John Bonham, but, I mean, purely from a technical point of view, this was absolutely mind-bending to me. And in a very short amount of time, my love for modern jazz drumming translated into a, a genuine love for modern jazz music. This was arguably the most significant shift for me because, for the most part, this is still where I am. I still draw most of my influence and inspiration from modern jazz players. People like Mark, Ari Honig, Dave King, Nate Smith, Nate Wood, uh, Chris Dave, Eric Harland, etc. And it's this genre of music I listen to and enjoy the most, even divorced from anything having to do with the drums. Most of the artists I listen to, whether they're drummers or not, I arrived at directly as a result of getting my mind blown at 12 or 13 years old by Mark Juliana. I think that's of note that my musical sensibilities are so informed by my development as a drummer. And vice versa, really, I I've arrived at countless drummers by way of an exploration of music I found interesting or impactful. That's really how I discover most of my influences, who then grant me a window into even more music and the cycle repeats. That's another principle that I think applies to all artists and musicians, the symbiotic relationship between the love for and the development of the craft versus the love for and the development of the art itself. I spoke about this kind of thing very briefly with Sean. In the, in the course of your musical development. Do you find that you're discovering new things musically because of your connection to the drums? As in, oh, the drums here are awesome. What is this musical frontier? Versus, oh, the music here is great. Let me see what the drums are about. Like, what leads that charge? Well, well I, back in the day, it was like the band that really got me like serious into progressive, like, I guess, more progressive drumming, more technical stuff. Uh, Dream Theater back in the day, they were like, like it just hit me at such the right time. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard ever. I was, I want to be Mike Portnoy, you know. Um, and then you dig into that stuff, and then you find out that there's hundreds of drummers that could just, you know, play circles around them. So then you get into that, and then yeah, I was really into really heavy stuff back in the day. And I, the music, the heavier music, and just the whole band working as a unit, like. Not really improv based, but like this just machine, this like super tight machine that, you know, you don't, people don't really, I guess, practice like that too much anymore with, with bands. It's more of like you work on your craft, you do your thing, you show up to the session, you know, you, you do it really well, but you don't have that like chemistry with that you would have with like a bunch of your, your friends that you just like, there's a telepathy. Like you, you may have experienced this with your brother playing. You may be able to read what he's going to do and do something to kind of answer that I don't know or other people that you play with um, so the music like the heavier music kind of got me into like oh what are the drums doing here like I don't understand what's going on so I'd have to try to figure it out and then it was you know probably later high school beginning of college I started to find out about the underground drummers at the time you know the people who are now more prevalent into the, in our in our like circle I guess would that be 
you know, like uh, like when Matt Garska started to come up, when um, Mason Guidry started to come up. A lot of like the I, I really I was always into like the more technical heavy hitting stuff back in the day. I wasn't really into a straight ahead like light playing jazz. I was like, oh, this is silly. But you know, you wise up as you as you as you get older. You know that's you know jazz is hard. You know, <laughs> and it's good to learn from that. So when I when I ended up going to school for classical music, you know, it was. But seeing some of the jazz people play, I was like, like, how do you do that? You know, it's crazy because it's like they have the um, you have the idea of like you're learning, like you're learning a song or like an idea of a very technical passage. And, you know, you could, most people could do that with enough, like sit down determination, you know, but to be able to pull those concepts freely and manipulate them at will. So this the, the introduction to jazz was more drum based. You'd see these people playing the drums in a way that you couldn't yeah. and that sparked that okay yes that was a that was a thing i was like well how are they you know how are they doing all this stuff because back in the day i was like oh you know the heavier hitting guys that can play really fast which is still a, an amazing feat and you know it's just a different side of the 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 drumming world anyway after a number of years it occurred to me that part of the reason these musicians i looked up to were so incredible was that they were drawn from their own influences which for the most part lied in the jazz music of yesteryear if you will uh, which is a very broad and nuanced swath of music in its own right Uh, and so i signed up for jazz house kids which is a program in montclair new jersey that gives its students very high level jazz instruction ensemble experience performance experience etc it's 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 a wonderful program Uh, That being said, though, for years I really struggled to keep up with the other students. There was something about traditional jazz music that refused to click for me. I didn't feel at home or comfortable playing it. It was difficult for me to enjoy listening to it. That's something I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit as someone who now sincerely loves that music. It makes me feel like some kind of fraud or a stowaway of some kind. But regardless, that's, I mean, that's the truth. Jazz House Kids runs a summer workshop in which students spend a week or two in very intense, multi-hour instructional sessions interspersed with live performances from the staff. I attended one of these in the summer of 2021, so, you know, quite recently, and this was really at the pinnacle of my apathy and frustration with jazz music. I figured, you know, why am I bothering to spend my time studying and playing this music that I don't enjoy? Why am I not chasing my bliss and doing exclusively what makes me comfortable? And almost immediately after arriving at these thoughts, there was a live performance by the staff that I attended, which included people like Christian McBride, Bruce Williams, Oscar Perez, and the drummer, the great Jonathan Blake. Jonathan's playing was so incredible and so dynamic and expressive and exciting and explosive and all these other tangential adjectives. He played the music in a way that is both faithful and authentic to quote-unquote traditional jazz music, while also bringing in this modern influence and this modern voice, this contemporary voice. The marriage of the two affected me deeply. It single-handedly ignited an interest in jazz music and jazz drumming because the conclusion I came to was, oh, within this music are the building blocks or the foundation necessary to play something this profoundly incredible. 
This was my third major evolution as a musician, and from that point on, I had a new appreciation for jazz music that only grows stronger and more sophisticated as time goes on. As I patiently await my fourth evolution, however that's gonna manifest, I'm doing the best I can to improve my knowledge and abilities in the context of traditional jazz music, only now in a way that is sincerely joyful rather than forced or imposed. That, uh, that concludes my major developments as a musician. Uh, this has been From Whence They Came. Uh, for future episodes, these are going to be more interview-focused, with less pretentious voiceovers and more name value. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This was my first time making a show, so I'm, I'm, kind of, uh, I'm kind of bulletproof. Because if you liked it, I'm a natural. And if you didn't like it, I mean, who are you? Harold Bloom? You know, take a load off. Once again, my name is Becca Deal. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're not home right now, get home safe. Uh, if you are home right now, I'm glad you got home safe. Uh, goodbye. The Jazz Media Workshop is made possible by a generous grant from the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation and is a production of WBGO Studios. To see our full lineup of shows, visit wbgo.org slash studios.